welcome. If you could mute yourself. I'm having to let people in as we go and I'll fix that next, next week. So I'm a little distracted. Uh, let, let's open us up in a word of prayer. Great to have you here. Let's pray. Well, God, we okay. thank you that we can gather together on this Sunday morning, even in this unusual manner. Is this yes. Pastor Jamie? Yes. Okay. Do you want me to start the prayer? No, no, no. You, is this Pat? No, this is Elizabeth. Uh, no, no. You've I'll never met me. This Pardon? is my first time on. I'm the one that cleans the church, the, the custodian. Okay. Well, we're just starting the service, so why don't you just uh, watch, watch us, okay? Okay. All right. Okay, let's continue in prayer, all right? Okay, thank you, Rob. Lord, we ask that you would fill this place with your presence, with your power. May we hear from you. May we have this expectation that, um, that you are going to show up. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Rob's going to share with us our call to worship. Good morning, and... Elizabeth, you're not just the custodian. You're one of our dear, dear family members. <laughs> it's nice that you're doing well and that you're on too, Elizabeth. Okay, I'm going to uh, do our call to worship. This is from Isaiah 43 and Psalm 118. This is what the Lord says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is the day of the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Our first song this morning is one that uh, our congregation has not sung before, but it is a wonderful song. It was written in 1940 or I'm sorry, 1995, and it is all about longing to know Christ. And as Pastor Jamie preaches to us today from uh, Philippians 3 about wanting to know Christ, we should think perhaps about how we can do that, how we can come to know Christ better in the Christ's word, in, in the messages from Apostle Paul, and of course in our life together. So let's sing now, Knowing You. world reviews 
now for us to join together in prayers for the people. I'm going to say a short prayer, but as we always do, please lift your own prayers for each other and for our church and for all the world. Let's pray. Dear God, we admit that so often we have held very tightly to our own plans and to the outcomes that we think should happen. But I know that the story that you're writing for us is so much better than any story that we could ever write for ourselves. Help us to cling to this truth when the circumstances of our world are uncertain and unpredictable. I declare our trust in you above all. We lift our prayers to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Andre, for singing that song when you didn't, didn't know it yet. So that was, that was great. Thank you. Can you all hear me okay? Yes? All right, good. If you have a Bible, uh, you might want to take it and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, wonderful chapter, wonderful book. Philippians chapter 3. Well, this is the first Sunday of a new year, 2021. Seems, seems like 
we're really old, 2021? Wow, that's just crazy. This is that time of year though, when, when we think about um, career gain, weight loss, books to read, places to go. This is that time when many of us uh, set New Year's resolutions or really goals for the whole year. I know every year at this time, I have about seven categories of goals that I, I kind of review and renew. Uh, financial goals, reading goals, relational goals, spiritual goals, physical goals, those sort of things. What I'd like you to think about this morning is a spiritual goal of knowing Jesus. Uh, as that song that was uh, just sung, uh, the author says, knowing you, there is no greater thing. There's no greater thing than knowing Jesus. That's what we believe. That's what we think. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Uh, Jesus said, what does it matter if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Great question by Jesus. Now, knowing, knowing in a biblical sense doesn't just, just doesn't mean to have um, head knowledge. It doesn't mean that you pass a, a, a test about Jesus. Did Was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Uh, yes. Uh, was Jesus the son of God? Yes. Was Jesus' mother named Mary? Yes. That's not knowing Jesus. That's knowing about Jesus. Knowing in the Hebrew sense is experiential. You may know intellectually that Jesus loves you, but do you experience it? You may uh, know in the, in the intellectual sense that God gives you the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. But are you experiencing it more and more? And so I would like to encourage you and challenge you to think about this year, the spiritual goal of knowing Jesus more and more, experiencing the life that Christ uh, has to offer. We're going to think about the Apostle Paul. Actually, over the next two months, we're going to think about the Apostle Paul. But today, we're going to look at one of the letters that Paul wrote from prison called Philippians. And the Apostle Paul is uh, reevaluating his life. He's reviewing the past, and he's going to renew his goals for the future. He's in prison, so he has time. He's in prison, so he has time. Hopefully, uh, well, some of us feel like we're in a, in a, in a prison because of uh, the pandemic. But... I want you to take, if you haven't already, think about today or maybe tomorrow, uh, the spiritual goal of knowing Jesus. So the question is, will you know Jesus in a, in a more intimate, more real way next year at this time than you do right now today? So that's my challenge. That's my call. That's what I'll teach about today, the spiritual goal of knowing Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, uh, in this context, or part of the context, is he's being criticized for being uh, arrogant. He's being criticized for boasting. And so he writes this letter and it, and it, and it really makes it his case worse. So in, in chapter three, verse four, he says this. He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence. People are saying, oh, Paul, you're overconfident. You're full of yourself. Uh, and, and Paul says, if, any, if others think they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. <laughs> I like that. He goes, if anyone else thinks they have confidence in themselves, he says, I have more. So he's actually making it worse on himself. And then he writes these words. Circumcised on the eighth day in accordance with the law. A people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. That's like one of the top tribes, the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah. I mean, he's, he's from good family stock a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
in regard to the law, a Pharisee. Wow. Paul, Paul is climbing that ladder of success. He's from the right family, and he has the right profession. He's, he's a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. Man, he was zealous for the faith. And then he says this, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Okay, he probably has some self-awareness problems there, but the point is he thinks he's morally faultless compared to the law. So Paul says, if you think you have confidence in yourself, <laughs> check me out. I have the right family system. I have the right career. I have money. I have influence. And besides that, I'm morally pure. So Paul has, Paul reevaluates his life and he goes, man, I am at, I have climbed the ladder of success. And then this wonderful word beginning in verse seven, but he says, but, but is a word of contrast. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now he's going to use this word consider three times. And the word consider means to evaluate. He's probably not at the beginning of the year, but, but he's using this time to reevaluate his life. He's going to um, review the past and renew his goals for the future. And that's what I'd like you to consider doing. Renew the past and review your goals for the future, especially your spiritual goals. So this is what Paul's doing right here. He's going to review the past and, and he's going to compare it to knowing Christ. So he says this, but whatever were my gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider, second time, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. For his sake, I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. Wow. So here's what Paul is doing. He's not saying that climbing the ladder of success is a bad thing. He's saying compared to knowing Jesus. He's saying it's garbage. And the word there is actually mean dog dung. It actually can be a swear word in scripture. Uh, he's using a, 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 a word that people are very familiar with in that day when dogs, you know, they didn't have plastic bags to pick up the dog stuff. He said, all the ladder that I've been climbing and I've climbed to the very top but compared to knowing Christ, it's, it's garbage. It's like garbage. He's basically saying, I've climbed the ladder to success. And at the top, I realized it was leaning against the wrong wall. He says, compared to knowing Jesus, it's really nothing at, at all. Um, and then he sets a new goal for himself in, in verse 10. He says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. So again, he reevaluates, uh, he reviews the past. And that's what I'd like you to consider doing, reviewing the past. What was this past year like for you spiritually? And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. But I also not just review the past, review, re renew your goals for the future. Paul reviews the past. He said, boy, I climbed the ladder of success, but I, I want to know Jesus. And compared to climbing the ladder of success, that's my new goal. I want to know Jesus. He's not throwing away everything else. He's just comparing it. And so here's his new goal. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection. 
So he kind of breaks his goal down into three sub goals. He wants to know though the power of his resurrection, participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. So Paul says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know that kind of power in your life? The power to, to forgive, the power to say yes to temptation and no to sin, the power to love, the power to experience joy. I want to know the power. But then he says, I want to know the, the, uh, about his suffering too. Okay, I don't want to sign up for that one. And then he says, I want to also know about being more like Jesus. So this is, this is Paul's new goal. He wants to know Jesus. And um, in verse 10 and 11, he kind of gives us two, two ways to know Jesus. The first way uh, is by receiving. And the second way is by running. So don't get these two, two uh, mixed up. He says, I want to know Christ. And the, the first stage of knowing Christ is by receiving a gift. To know Jesus more and more starts with receiving the gift of salvation. That's just receiving. It's a free gift. Uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians, it's by grace you've been saved. It's the gift of God. And that's why Paul writes in verse 9, he says, um, I want to know Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is by faith. So the beginning, the first stage, so to speak, of knowing Christ is to re receive the gift of salvation. I assume most of you have received the gift of salvation. You receive the gift by asking, Lord, I, I know I need you. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness of my sin. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's the first stage. Um, but the second stage is running, is running. If the first stage is, stage is kind of passive, by receiving, the second stage is active. It's sweaty. It's something you and I are to do. Now, this is really important to understand. You don't run to receive the gift of salvation. You don't run to receive the gift of salvation. You don't have to have effort to receive the gift of salvation. The only effort is, is just receiving a gift. It's not a gift if you have to earn it, right? Amen? Little, little affirmation. Okay, thank you. It's not a gift if you have to earn it. It's a gift. You receive the gift. But to know Christ more and more, to have the power of his resurrection in your life, you and I have to run. And I use this metaphor because Paul's in a, uh, and uh, he loves athletic metaphors. And he's going to use that here. Uh, he continues. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his life. I want to know what it's like to suffer with him. I, I want to know what it's like to be Jesus, uh, to be like Jesus. And then he says this in verse 12. And, and I really like this. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. <laughs> See, I like that. He's, he hasn't arrived. We don't arrive at perfectly knowing Jesus in this life. But we want to make progress. We want to become, like Paul says, more and more like Jesus. Paul says, I want to know Jesus more and more. I haven't arrived yet. And then he gives us this kind of threefold stages on, on how to know Jesus. He says, but I press on. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what lies ahead, I press on to win the prize. I press on to win the prize. See, you, you run for the prize. 
You do not run to receive the gift. The gift is given. But you and I do run to win the prize. The prize of knowing Jesus. The prize of knowing Jesus is not automatic. The prize of knowing Jesus more and more is up to you and up to me. Now remember, you're not running to receive the gift. The gift is a freebie by faith. But to grow in your faith, to know Jesus more and more, you and I need to run. And Paul lays out this threefold step really fast. He says, this one thing I do in verse uh, 13, one thing I do. So number one, to know Jesus better, we have to have a focus. One thing I do, not 12 things I think about. I mean, think about this time of year, New Year's resolutions. I mean, most of us don't do our resolutions by the end of January at best, right? So Paul says, this one thing I do, not 12 things I hope to do or 12 things I'm, I'm aiming for. One thing I do. He has a sense of urgency. He has a sense of desire. It's like an athlete or a musician. Um, it, you have to discipline yourself. A, the root word of disciple is discipline. We may not like discipline, but we're not going to know Christ better more and more without running, without discipline. You're not going to play the piano keyboard like Andre without discipline. I doubt that he just got up one day and just started playing. Right? Andre, right? Right. No, he had to discipline himself, and he still does. An athlete. Um, one thing I do is a burning desire. I want to know Christ. You can almost feel that urgency and that desire in the Apostle Paul. I want to know Christ. The author of Hebrews says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. T to know Jesus more and more takes effort. It takes sweat. We're not running to receive the prize. We're running to know, I'm sorry, we're not running to, um, we're not running to receive the gift. We are running to receive the prize of knowing Jesus more and more. So the first thing Paul says, one thing I do is a focus. Question, do you have a desire? And just ask yourself this, hopefully today and right now, do you have a desire to know Jesus more and more this year? Do you want the fruit of the Spirit to be more evident in your life this year? It just doesn't happen like that. Focus, desire. Paul says, I want to know Christ. May that be my prayer. May that be your prayer and our desire as a church. Then he says this. Um, but one thing I do, forgetting, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. So the first step is focus. The second is forgetting, forgetting what is behind. There's several things to forget. But for today, I think one of the things we need to forget are our past failures, our past sins. So that we're not weighted down by the past. Paul had a few things to forgive himself of, didn't he? When Paul was a Pharisee and, and Christians came before a group of people and, and, and the order came out, should we stone them or not? Paul went like this. And it wasn't amen. Well, it was amen. It was yes, stone them. 
Paul was a part of persecuting, of ripping families apart, of murder. So he had a lot of things to forget. And that's why he writes in Romans this wonderful verse, for that, and therefore there is now no condemnation. He's talking to himself first. Paul, there's no condemnation. You don't have to be weighted down by guilt. If we want to know Christ more and more, we need to be free, not just to receive grace, but to run in grace, to live in grace, to forgive ourselves. Now, when we when, now forget doesn't mean we, we block it from our mind. Here's the important biblical word, forget. Forget doesn't mean you don't remember. Forget means you no longer are affected or influenced by the past. Forget doesn't mean you have to wipe it out of your mind. Forget means you don't, it doesn't influence you as much. For example, when God, God, Scripture says that God forgets our sins, God's not going, now, what did Anna do? What did Rob do? I can't remember. What was that they did? God, God remembers them, but he doesn't, when we're in Christ, it doesn't affect us anymore. So to forget means it's no longer, you no longer are uh, influenced by the past. Paul says, forgetting what is past, forgetting your sin, ask for forgiveness, and then forget it in the sense that it no longer influences you. It no longer weighs you down. I like football. I watched a little bit of football this last week. Uh, uh, when I lived in Chicago, my favorite team was Northwestern. And uh, this, this few days ago, Northwestern football team beat Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. Yay. Uh, they're probably going to be a top 10 team this year. Yay, yay, Northwestern football. But it wasn't always that way. I don't know if you know who has the longest losing streak in the NCAA, but it's Northwestern football, or at least until a few years ago. Prior to 1992, Northwestern football in the past six years before 1992 had a record of 13 and 51. They went 34 games in a row without winning a game. Talk about being hard to be a fan of Northwestern football. 34 games in a row. That's three and a half years without a victory. And then in 1992, that all changed. A guy by the name of Gary Barnett was hired from Colorado. And I remember when Gary came, Gary said, within a few years, we're going to win the Big Ten. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. But it was like, uh, Gary shouldn't have said that. He said, yeah, we're going to win the Big Ten. That means you have to beat Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State. The fourth year, in the fourth year, the Northwestern Wildcats, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Michigan, they beat Penn State, and they went to the Rose Bowl. They were the Big Ten champions after four years. Uh, Gary Barnett was on the Jay Leno show. And uh, basically, Jay, Jay Leno said, uh, you know, what, how did you do it? What, what, what was the difference? And here's what Gary Barnett said, quote, we refuse to listen to the things of the past. We refuse to listen to the things of the past. That what, that's what it means to forget. The record was still 31 and 50, 51. The record was still, they lost 34 games in a row. But, he, but they, he said, we refuse to listen to the things of the past. That's what it means, forgetting what is past. 
you, you, you remember the record, but it doesn't influence you as much. You remember your sin. You remember the things you said that you can't take back that have harmed the relationship. But, but you, you, you confess it and you work on that relationship. You want to know Christ better. You want to know Jesus better. The Apostle Paul says, focus. Have a sense of desire, urgency. This one thing I do, forgetting what is past. And then the next thing he says is straining towards what lies ahead. I press on to win the prize. Remember, we're not running for the gift. That's free. We're want, running to receive the prize of knowing Jesus more and more. And so the last one is fortitude. Fortitude. He says straining towards. And the imagery is, a, is an Olympic runner, uh, Usain Bolt, or your favorite sprinter. And he's leaning and he's sweating and he's working hard. Straining towards what lies ahead. It takes work. It takes discipline. And fortitude implies a plan. Fortitude in the spiritual realm implies a, bit of, uh, a set of habits, a set of disciplines, if you will. So the question isn't, as a disciple of Jesus, do I need more discipline to be more and more like Jesus? The answer is absolutely. The question is, and this is for another time, is how do I become more disciplined? How do I become more disciplined? How do I, I incorporate some habits? So in closing, uh, I'd like to give you an acronym, P-R-E. And I'm going to make up a word, pre-knowing. Pre means before, uh, like foreknowledge. You have knowledge before. Um, uh, pre means before. So pre-knowing, before you know Christ, you have to do these three things in these three categories. P stands for practices. R stands for relationships. And E stands for experiences. Again, this is a whole sermon series, but just, just a snippet in the last minute here. Practices. There are practices that you and I are called to do to help us to know Jesus. The practices, listen to this, the practices don't transform you. The practices put you in a place where the Holy Spirit can change and transform you. So certain practices like this, gathered worship each week is a practice that will help you know Jesus better, hopefully. Being in a Bible study, reading the Bible on your own, being in a small group, um, experience, uh, practicing Sabbath, practicing stillness, practices. What's a habit that you want, what's a practice that you want to renew this year? What's a practice that you want to uh, blow the dust off of, figuratively or literally? What's a new habit that you want to, a uh, new practice? The second are relationships. Um, we're created to be in community. We're not going to grow in isolation. What are some relationships that need to be dealt with so that you can uh, uh, know Jesus better? Uh, is there reconciliation? Do you maybe need to get a mentor? Do you need to mentor someone? Uh, are there book? Is, is there a, uh, a relationship through a book? Like I have mentors that I've never met. They're my book mentors. They can still mentor you through their, their books. Practices, relationships, and experiences. What's an experience? Um, maybe, maybe teaching Sunday school. Maybe uh, working it out of the box. Maybe going on a retreat. Um, and I will remind you of all these throughout the year, and you have your own. So Paul says, I want to know Jesus. And as you think about this new year, as we start this new year together, and you have other goals in other areas of your 
May I implore you, encourage you, challenge you, inspire you and myself that the main goal is to know Jesus, to know the power of his resurrection, to know the fellowship of sharing in his suffering and becoming like him more and more. Yes and amen. Let me pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you, you love us. Offer this gift of salvation. May we receive that. But Lord, may it not end there. May that just be the beginning. May we run the race. May we, may we focus, have this sense of urgency. And uh, may we forget our sins so that we may run unencumbered. And, and may we have fortitude, Lord. So we ask this in your name. Amen. A song that, uh, that's going to be sung now, it's called In the Secret, that also kind of um, reiterates some of the themes from this passage in uh, Philippians. So let, if you know the song, uh, sing along, and don't worry, you're all muted, except for the singers and Andre. Go ahead. Thank you. 
Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, so that with reverent and humble hearts, we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength through Jesus Christ, your son. Now hear our private prayers of confession. We pray all this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You have your communion elements uh, you can put them in front of you if for some reason you forgot you can go run and get them real real fast we uh, celebrate communion as an act of remembrance we celebrate communion as an act of meaning that has meaning and it has mystery to it uh, on the theological scale theologians have a variety of uh, understanding of what happens, that Jesus is present in a real way. You know the words, you're familiar with the words, but the one word that Jesus wanted us to experience in this is that wonderful word, remember. On the very night that Jesus was betrayed, betrayed by his disciples, betrayed by his friends, betrayed by his family members, he he took a loaf of bread and he, and he gave it new meaning. He, uh, he would give the Passover a new meaning. And he took the loaf of bread, signified by this cracker, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Remember, remember. Likewise, he took the cup and he filled the cup with new meaning. Because in Jesus, the old had gone, the new had come, and it would come more and more. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. And friends, every time we break the bread, cracker, whatever, every time we lift the cup, what you're doing, you're reaffirming your faith. You're reaffirming your faith that you've received the gift of salvation. And hopefully reaffirming your desire that you want to run to to." Uh, win the prize of knowing Jesus more and more. But we're also doing this uh, as a, uh, a testimony as a church, that we believe in Jesus who came, who lived, who taught, who died and rose again, and who will come again. And we live, hopefully, with that sense of urgency, anticipation, hope, and ultimate joy. So take and eat, take and drink as you are able.
Now hear these final words of uh, hope from the book of Romans. And now may the God of all hope, I love that little commentary today, God of all hope, all hope. There's nothing hopeless about faith. There's nothing hopeless in God. Now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace and hope as you trust in him. See, there's our, as you trust in him, as you follow him, as you take steps of faith, as you take risks, as you step out in faith, and now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace and hope as you trust in him so that you would experience more hope by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gave thumbs up signifying amen. We actually won't do this too much anymore, I promise you. <laughs> it just seems appropriate today. Hey, everybody, good being with you.